Hey, Jeff, here we go. Stand by. Cueing music in three, two, and one. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio, conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate. With tonight's host, Jeff Hendler. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeff Hendler. Welcome to Voice of Evolution Radio. Today's program is called In the Soul's Waiting Room and is part of a series of programs sharing a view of the world that's rarely seen by us mere mortals. My guest is the keeper of soul's purpose who makes sure that every soul coming to earth, the human realm, has its purpose. You've been great at sending in questions and comments. Please keep them coming. Our producer Linda and I will get to as many of them as we can during the program and after. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Hello, keeper. Hello, Jeff. Um, Jeff, I'd like to comment on something you said in your introduction. Wow, already? What did I say? Well, I'd like to comment that mere mortals, as you called yourselves, have always had the ability to see the world as we've been discussing it through the three lenses. And it requires a belief in the spiritual, of course, although not a religious belief, which tends to take sides, simply a spiritual belief that there's more to the world and your humanity than what can be measured or seen. And once that belief is present, the connection between that and the other lenses becomes visible. And then the connection between you and every other living being on the planet is apparent, even in what you call day-to-day -day and mundane. I believe it was Albert Schweitzer who said that the wave cannot exist for itself, but is ever a part of the heaving surface of the ocean. Ah, Schweitzer, yes, a servant soul type, by the way. And that's it exactly. And that's important for today's conversation, since you brought it up. And is that the topic for today, Keeper? Oh, no. The topic for today is the Divine Feminine. Aha. Uh -huh. And there's something that has to happen before we can have this conversation. Something else? Yes. And I expect it will be a disorienting event, Jeff. And it's really necessary if we're going to talk about the Divine Feminine. And so what's that, Keeper? I mean, what has to happen? The voice that's required here must be a feminine voice. Whoa, whoa. What just happened? The voice that's required here must be a feminine voice. Hang on, hang on. What just happened? I mean, where's the keeper? To speak to the goddess requires a credible source, Jeff. What just happened? I thought I'd been clear that I've been using a male voice for impact, Jeff. But souls are energy, and with that energy is contained both the masculine and the feminine. What just happened is a shift in that energy, nothing more. Okay, I, I get it. I just never imagined you weren't um, you. But I am me, Jeff. The voice is a device. The voice is a story you've created about who I am. Truthfully, I've been looking forward to using this voice for some time now. Right. Uh, okay. So, the divine feminine. Well, it starts with the second lens, the environment. And there's a human timeline that I believe is a good place to start. Keeper, you're just going to go on as if nothing just happened, aren't you? Should I stop and let you gather your thoughts, Jeff? No, no. Go on. So I'll describe the timeline as an overview to show the origins and the development of the Divine Feminine, as well as her subjugation, if you're ready. Oh, yes. Yes. Ready. When it comes to a belief in the infinite, most humans have always imposed an anthropomorphic story identifying the infinite as the gods and goddesses or a god or the god. There's always a human-like image because you see yourselves as the primary species on the planet. Yes? Well, we've been told. 
without getting into religion, what else should we think? Well, thinking for yourselves, there are some pantheist cultures that see the spirit of the infinite in everything. Hmm. Uh, that leads me to ask, uh, do all cultures have a belief in the infinite? I notice that all our stories contain a connection to something greater than ourselves, even if those stories differ. Is there any culture that doesn't believe in an infinite power or connection? Great noticing, Jeff, about your stories, that is. So, when it comes to belief... Did you know, for example, there's a small tribe called the Paraha in the Amazon rainforest of Brazil, and their belief goes no further than each person's living memory. They require evidence of everything. They'll say, well, my father knew or my mother had this experience, and then fill in the blank with whatever it was that was in question. And when the memory ends, the belief ends as well. So where is this taking us, you might ask? Mm, I know you're leading up to something. I'm leading up to the idea of the goddess. She was here before any patriarchal religion. As the creative mother, peaceful mother, she is the creator and the destroyer. From the Hindu goddess Lakshmi, who represents beauty and abundance, to Kali, who wears the heads of her enemies around her neck, and the entire spectrum in between. Here's the story. It was believed before any other belief that the goddess created the universe. Before Christianity, before stories about the first humans. You're jumping ahead, and yes. Okay, okay. Uh, and why was that the first belief? Is it because it's true? I mean, is the universe a feminine being? In the beginning, there was the universe, the great mother Gaia, the earth, Shell, the moon, and Ariantad, the stars. There was also Oya, the storm bringer, and Mary, who calmed the storms. There was Nut, who birthed creation, and of course, Kali, who I mentioned, who destroys. Amazing cast of characters, if I can phrase it that way. Um, and then what comes to mind is, when did that change? Human life has always been masculine and feminine, or at least male and female, right? There's, um, what did you call it once? A reproductive exchange of information that must take place to create new life information from the male and information from the female to create a third unique being. I see we need to talk about humans before we can talk about anything else. Yes, there came a time of physical form, males and females, just not necessarily what humans identify as masculine and feminine today. Male and female didn't mean masculine and feminine. Not at least the, not at the beginning, yes. Okay. Yes. So do you remember when I said that prehistoric humans had a higher cognitive function than their environment required? Yes, I think so. Why was that, do you suppose? To prepare humans for what was to come, environment and evolution at work. Exactly. So for the sake of this conversation, a higher cognitive function existed to prepare them for an awakening about sexual connection and procreation. Realizing that the male of the species actually aided in procreation. Cave paintings date this consciousness between 200,000 and 50,000 of your years ago, just to give it a place in your human timeline. And what about before that? New beings were thought to come from only the female of the species. Seriously? I mean, I'm just getting used to you presenting in a female voice here, and now I'm hearing this. Um... Okay, well, that's good to know that we eventually get some credit for our part in it all. Ah, uh, there it is. See? What? There what is? 
that repressed anger about not getting credit for your role in creation. Well, I mean, before you deny it, just give it a moment to sink in. Okay. I don't think I was going to deny it. I'll play along. I'll play along. Um, We didn't know that we had anything to do with the creation of life. I mean, how could we not know that? Sex and procreation weren't connected. There was one and there was the other. And the females of the species had the copyright on the other? Basically, yes. We're really making this overly simplistic, Jeff. Uh, There was so much more attached to the creation and uh, nurturing of life than we have time for today. I want you to understand that early roles of males and females weren't all that different. Everyone hunted, everyone killed for food, everyone defended the community if they needed to. The differentiation in roles came about because of the issue about who could create and sustain life within the community. So was that the start of gender-based roles? Again, in its simplest terms. Well, let's talk about that then. So we'll need to go back even further in time. How much further back? Mm, Three million years. Oh, okay, if that's all. You were one of the first species of predators in which the female of the species stopped participating in the hunting and killing to care for the offspring. Hominid children required more care and time to grow to be independent members of the tribe. So the survival of the species depended on that. Hominids had a choice to make about who hunted and who cared for the offspring. And since the males couldn't provide food for the offspring the way the females could, the decision was an easy one. Males became useful only if they could provide for the females who were already providing for the offspring. I'll stop here and and see if you have any questions, Jeff. No, I I get it. It makes sense. Um, You might be able to hunt a mastodon, but you can't exactly feed it to an infant. (laughs) So there must have been something magical about a mother being able to provide milk to her offspring. That's it, exactly. Not only providing milk, but creating life. What was the male contribution in all of that? Well, you know. Yes, I know. You know. (laughs) They didn't know. Males of the species saw it happen in nature, too, which is just more evidence of the power of the goddess. And building on that, females of the species who didn't create life were considered non-essential to the primitive community. It's a generalization, of course, but you get the point, yes? Yes. And not understanding that sex was a necessary factor, a female who didn't produce children probably didn't get much sexual attention. Am I I right in thinking that? It's tough to make assumptions, but I think I see where this is going. A choice was made, roles were established, categories were created. Now, let's move along to the development of the human brain. This was a major shift for humanity. There was a physical evolution of the brain that took place. The human brain evolved as roles specialized, a left hemisphere for hunting and killing, and a right hemisphere for creating and nurturing, linear and creative, masculine and feminine, in the purest sense of the words. And that specialization made the division of labor between male and female even more evident. So if I've got this straight, evolution created specialization in the brain based on specialization of roles. Right. 
And this hemispheric division within the human species is important as we discuss the divine feminine. Here's where all the lenses interact with each other, Jeff. This specialization needed to be well-established by the time humans developed two things, one, language, and two, an awareness of death. But we'll talk about the awareness of death first. Why was this so important? Well, because awareness of death and your own mortality aided your belief in the supernatural. And that was important, I'm guessing, because it had something to do with what each culture valued more, hunting or nurturing. You're right. Gods developed where hunting and killing was valued. And goddesses developed where gathering and nurturing was valued. Consider how the human species was preparing for an evolution to agriculture as the primary survival strategy. And that's how it was. All those factors, those thousands of years of evolution, working in concert to arrive at that point in time. And, and you know, Keeper, there's something so very basic here that I'm hearing. It's, um, it's a reverence for the earth that's always been associated with the more feminine side of humanity, the cycles of nature, the seasons and the cycles of the moon and the tides, and ignorance of how life is created, supporting the belief in the divine feminine and creating, what did you call it? A repressed anger in men. Yes, and there's more to say about that repressed anger and betrayal. Ooh, now we've got betrayal too. Oh, Yes. I'm glad you mentioned cycles, Jeff. The cycles of women and the cycles of men. Understand that these human cycles are ancient. In the case of a male, a higher testosterone level in the morning hours, for example, is necessary before going off to hunt and kill. There's several reasons for that. One, going off to hunt and kill requires more aggression, more competitiveness and confidence. And two, it created an urgency to exchange reproductive information with a female, if that's the term we're going to keep using. Well, somehow it just seems wrong to be more graphic about it when I'm talking to you. That's interesting, Jeff. What's the story around that? <laughs> At any rate, as a result, these male cycles helped create perpetuation of the species. You know, on the chance that something might hunt and kill this particular male before he returns to the cave at the end of the day. It actually says that things haven't changed much since those days. Uh, it still sounds a lot like 21st century life in the city. Well, if evolution hasn't found a need to eliminate it, perhaps it's still necessary. Mm -hmm. Now, most of this is second lens evidence for the origin of the goddess. Know that from the first lens, the goddess exists with or without this evidence. The infinite created a universe that resembled her in the phases of the moon waxing, waning, and the full moon too. You see that in the maiden, the mother, and the crone. But she is more than that. She is warrior and huntress, destroyer, artist, mother, healer, sorcerer, and sage. The only tenet of the goddess is that all life is sacred because all life, and I do mean all life, is created in her image. Wait, 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 wait. So what's the bottom line here? Keeper, are you telling me that God is a woman? I know we've talked about the literal use of the word God. I, I just have to ask. You know it's a challenge for me to answer such a literal question, Jeff. Because in the image of the feminine, there's also the masculine. Not better, not less. In balance. So it's safe to say then that in the image of the masculine, there's also the feminine. 
you've got to see yourselves as the universe rather than separate from it. That Schweitzer concept of being part of the ocean rather than a single wave. You've also got to see the divine feminine as the universe rather than separate from it. Can you imagine two males having this conversation, Jeff? Hmm. Even if I said exactly the same thing in that other voice, it could take on a very different meaning. You can see that both hemispheres are necessary. No better, no less, both necessary. And there's the bigger point to all of this. Where is the divine feminine in the world today? How is that similar to what Earth is experiencing? Ownership, buying and selling, raping for profit or pleasure, the unraveling of the social construct, vulgarity and jest or, or otherwise, meaningless and empty advertising, using not the exchange of information, just using sex as a selling tool. The feminine isn't sure who she's supposed to be anymore. Keeper, I'm not so sure the masculine is, is sure of who it's supposed to be either, especially when it comes to the feminine. To be more like the feminine and yet still capable of slaughtering a mastodon, you know, I mean, that's a tall order. And so, while I'm not projecting this onto you, Jeff, that uncertainty, the resentment that there are no mastodons to go out and slaughter, the betrayal of realizing that males played a part in the creation of human beings began to create an imbalance in the masculine-feminine universe. I can't help searching for the why here. I mean, uh, why was there such anger? Because we didn't know males were essential to the creation of life? We're getting to that. 4,000 years ago, with the beginning of organized religion, and remember, organized religion was created to control a population larger than those who wished to control it. Around this time, the Hebrew religion began, and with it, the goddess's reign began its downward spiral. Although it was Christianity, and even more specifically, the Roman Catholic Church that used its left hemisphere and to your point, it's unfulfilled mastodon-killing energy to root out the divine feminine and destroy her. Every religion starts with the creation of the world as the religion would like its followers to see it. There is more similarity than differences in the story. And one that shows up repeatedly is that the universe was feminine until the God stepped in. Take the Hebrew text. In the beginning, a number of gods began to give birth to the heavens and the earth. The earth still belonged to Tohu and Bohu, goddesses of formlessness and ultimate space, and darkness was on the face of the mother creator goddess Tiamat. Okay, so even before what the text calls the beginning, there was a feminine space or formlessness that was awaiting creation. The gods step in and create the world from that formlessness. So actually, Masculine and feminine energy are partners in creation in the Hebrew religion. Which is as it should be. But, but wait. Yes? Isn't it also implied, based on what you've said about religion, that it's a reminder that the feminine is formlessness, the space, the womb. And without the gods, it would never be anything else. Once you know, its message is open to interpretation. And it was written by men. Perhaps that's all I'll say for now. I still don't understand why try to annihilate the goddess. I mean, was she really that much of a threat? That realization that you've given someone power over you tarnishes both sides of the coin. 
Somewhere in time, men realized that women were just as human as they were and that their own left hemisphere, intuitive hunting and killing, could be an advantage in taking back something they themselves willingly gave away. That's a mouthful, Keeper. So it became a them versus us mentality because men realized they played a role in creation and felt tricked or betrayed? You're right thinking the idea of a them-us came into play at some point. I can't tell you the moment it began, and yet somewhere in time, men gave their power of creation willingly to the females. When knowledge of procreation included the man's role, there was a sense of betrayal, anger. Not that the females understood procreation any better than the males, but that the males gave over their power so willingly. That was the sticking point. Gaining it back has been the struggle between the species ever since. And gaining it back is predators, abusers. It's the shadow side. Yes, at the extreme end of the spectrum. And here's where language, and especially written language, comes into play. I want you and the listeners to remember that as time went on, religious texts were written by men. Men were taught to read. Women were not. So as men wrote the stories of their history and other men began to read them, the text became decidedly masculine in nature. Suddenly, there was a God creating the universe, and it's his almighty word. Since no human was present when the universe was created, what was written down as truth became the truth. So then Keeper is God or the infinite to keep religion out of it. Is the infinite masculine or feminine? If you asked, is the infinite masculine and feminine? I would answer yes without hesitation. The word or <laughs> makes that question impossible to answer. In the soul and spirit realm, the infinite isn't anthropomorphic because everything is energy. I'd like to be able, Jeff, to put that one to rest. Gotcha. Okay. Even these voices, which I understand you have to use to communicate with us as humans, we incorporate them into our own stories and make you masculine or feminine because that's what's comfortable for us. At least, Keeper, I can speak for myself in that. It's only natural that you do that. You've always done that, even thousands of years ago, giving the gods and goddesses names and stories, emotions and relationships, Mother Earth, Mary's Father, Sky, and, and so on. Using strictly human constructs to explain what you call all that exists without explanation. Yes, that's it. Now, here's another way into the story of what's happening today. Consider, if you will, the serpent in the garden, all knowing and offering that knowledge to another woman. So we're talking about Christianity now, even the serpent in the garden. You know, I've always seen the serpent as male. Are you saying the serpent is female? Well, in the Christian world, the serpent is a male figure, referred to as he. In art, the serpent is often depicted as having a female upper body with a snake-like lower body. Note the construct of a creature that had both feminine and masculine qualities. Now, there's all sorts of conjecture about why the serpent might be female. Some say it's because Eve, who wasn't named until after the so-called fall, was the evil in the garden. 
Remember, who knew how to read and write, Jeff? And then there's another story that the divine feminine wanted Eve to remember her position and power in the universe, that being ignorant of truth was no way to live. Got it. So Eve was offered an ancient wisdom, which was hers by rights. And she in turn shares her knowledge with Adam. And it got them both thrown out of the allegorical garden, which gives new meaning to the song lyric on the eve of destruction. It was certainly made to look like a poor choice on Eve's part. <laughs> to accept the wisdom of the goddess in a masculine world? Fake news. <laughs> I hope this is an aha moment, Jeff. It is. And writing that a woman having universal wisdom or knowledge is fundamentally wrong and caused the downfall of man is like, it's like the discovery of procreation. I'll give you that aha moment, Keeper. What was the story's purpose? Was it designed to tell a story that humanity is less than the infinite? That humanity will always be in struggle? Trying to get back something lost in its search for knowledge? Or was it designed to awaken you, creating an earthly realm in which you'd search for answers rather than blissfully or blindly follow? Or even a third choice, was it a punishment that condemned you to eternal pain and suffering? A pain and suffering that you now inflict on each other. Frankly, Keeper, I think there's an all of the above in the stories that we're telling about it. And the answer is, it depends on who's telling the story. I mean, this reminds me of the construct of good and evil that you always talk about. From what perspective is it good or evil? I mean, what if these stories were written by women? How would they differ? And what would those stories hold for humanity? Good point. You know, I'm really eager to learn about where this is leading us and how this all ties into what's happening today with the women's movement. I want to say more about the suppression of the goddess in Christianity because it played a substantial role. Think about the virgin birth for a moment and what we've just said about early hominids not understanding procreation. I hadn't thought of it that way. A woman giving birth with no contribution from a man. No, just a god. Holy shit. I thought you'd find that interesting. Oh, I do. The ancient stories were absorbed by early religions as a way to attract followers. Early religions incorporated the old stories and, and then gave them a, a, a new twist or a new direction. This story is so deep in your ancestral memory. It was a powerful tool at the time. So you've got Mary as the Virgin Mother. Someone to worship and at the same time... What? Uh, a cautionary tale about who really creates life? It's always open to interpretation, Jeff. The church will never use the word goddess. Mary is revered, of course, but only because God bestowed creation on her formlessness. Dare I ask, I mean, how does Mary Magdalene fit into all of this? I'd be disappointed if you didn't. <laughs> the <laughs> prostitute, the whore, and finally, the apostle. And not just any apostle, the first apostle, named in your year 2016 by the Pope. <laughs> Which only took the church 2,000 years to process. So how'd that come about? The other apostles, the male apostles, refused to believe Mary Magdalene when she tried to share a teaching she'd received from Jesus. And they didn't believe her because she was a woman? And the teaching seemed strange to them, especially Peter. 
He took exception to these teachings being shared with a woman rather than the male apostles. This is a good time to add that because of this, the teachings of Jesus were not carried forward by men in the way he had intended them to be. I realize this is becoming more of a religious conversation than I had planned. And yet we, we can't have this conversation without it. Yeah, so, so I'm going to keep it going in that direction. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, Keeper, what was the teaching that Mary Magdalene tried to share? Some say it was the secret of creation, all that exists without explanation, and the story of the three lenses, although those are my words, not theirs. And what do you say about that, Keeper? I say that some things are best left to the mystery because humans are meant to explore the mysteries for their own enlightenment and empowerment. The days of deus ex machina coming down from the sky are over, at least for most of you. I see. This is a good time to move on to the next topic, Jeff. It's interesting to note in American politics these days, both archetypes of Mary and Mary Magdalene have been brought to light through the American president who and this is generalization, sees women as sexual beings as if they are all prostitutes. And the American vice president who calls his wife mother as if she were the Madonna. These archetypes are coming to light for so many reasons right now. All souls here for a purpose, Jeff. And what is that purpose keeper? I mean, is it, is it to awaken us? Is it to activate us? And more, yes. This is another dark time in the history of humanity. For the same reason, all dark times exist. And why does this dark time exist, Keeper? To raise consciousness, to awaken and activate, to change the stories or be lost forever as a species. Oh, just that. We're having another conversation about human potential. We're always having a conversation about human potential, Jeff. <laughs> I guess we are. All right, Keeper, what else do we need to know? Environment and more human history. This is more second lens conversation. When the Indo-Europeans invaded Europe, they brought with them war, belief in male gods, exploitation of nature, knowledge of the male role in procreation. But the biggest of all was what I mentioned earlier the invention of writing and reading as the exclusive privilege of males in society. This brought profoundly disturbing consequences for humanity and its culture. It nurtured the growth of patriarchy and misogyny. And all throughout history, that idea caught on. At least among men. Right. Here's the bottom line. Where writing and literacy existed, patriarchy thrived. Where writing and literacy didn't exist, women played more prominent roles in religion and society. Literacy was control. And here we go back to religion again. Consider that the human Jesus wrote nothing down. Only his disciples wrote things down. They omitted the most important aspect of this messenger's teachings. And their writings, their writings were altered by the organization of religion. Free will, love, passion, nonviolence, and equality. The teaching Jesus shared with Mary Magdalene, along with the secrets of creation. Religion put a spin on all that, making sin the evil and a futuristic heaven the goal. Consider how the word repent shows up everywhere in religious texts. But what were you supposed to repent? 
You mean from a religious perspective? Even without religion, especially without religion, the word literally means to change. What if repent really meant change your stories? I don't want to digress, and yet I will, just for a moment. If 30% of your world continues to be malnourished, what's the story there? If 30% or more of women in relationship have been abused, what's the story there? When will you repent and take the message of love and compassion to heart? Well, it's, it's too easy for us to separate ourselves from those who need our help. I mean, it isn't personal anymore. There's just too many of us for it to be personal. Let's clarify that personal doesn't mean it must have happened to you or someone you know. It means you connect with the world in a way that makes everything intimate. It doesn't matter how many people there are in the world if you hold that as your story. So repent without judgment or shame. Change the story. Change your behavior. I mean, that could easily be its own conversation keeper. So I get it. There was a spin put on all of this for the sake of something other than what it was intended to do. And this was directly influenced by who could read and who could write. During the Dark Ages, when literacy was almost completely lost to the secular society, women began finding their voices again. How so, Keeper? Women mystics were revered again. Women participated in religious ceremony, able to baptize, for example. Abbesses led monasteries and art flourished with the images of women. And let me guess what happened as the Renaissance began. You know the answer. Mm -hmm. All those men writing stories, all those men reading the words of other men, masculine values asserted dominance over feminine values. Again, women mystics were called witches, and we all know what happened to the witches of the time. This was referred to as the burning time, and worse things happened if you were identified as a witch. Did you know that the second most popular book ever, ever written is called The Witch's Hammer. It was a how-to book for discovering, torturing, and burning witches. Ridiculous. Keeper, I still want to draw some parallels to what's happening today. Please, draw some parallels. See this for what it is. Okay, so I'm going to begin with the basics. You use the words anger and betrayal. I'm going to add fear. This is a substantial fear. I mean, what were we so afraid of? To answer that, I'll add that millions were murdered during these witch hunts. There's no parallel in any other culture in the world in which the men of the culture suffered a psychosis so extreme that they believed that their wise women were so dangerous that they had to be eliminated. By the 12th century, the Inquisition was established by the church to root out witches. And for the next several centuries, the image of a witch being a baby-eating, night-flying, curse-wielding demon was perpetrated by the church. And even through the 17th century, anything that went wrong was pretty much blamed on witches. And during much of this time, it was the public's responsibility to find and identify the sinners so that she, she may be punished. Which brings to mind how we always seem to be on a witch hunt for someone or something. And the need to punish. Don't forget the human need to punish. These witch hunts 
happen all the time and not solely to women. There are so many examples in the world today, and I don't want to get off track, but we're coming to the question about where we are today and how we might evolve, and, and that's what I'm eager to hear. So why? Why did men find women such a threat? Or maybe I should ask, why do men find women such a threat? Let's add that women also found women a threat. It would be unfair to make this completely one-sided, even if that's mostly how history tells the story. Women turned other women in as witches too. And out of what? Jealousy? Envy? All things ego. But not to get off track, here's what I'll offer as a perspective about why men find women a threat. There's anger about giving over their power. Betrayal, because women accepted that power to the point that it changed their status in the tribe. Whether or not they knew any more about procreation than men did at the time is immaterial. Yes. And men were fearful. Men are fearful because they never want it to happen again. It's in your male DNA and stories. It might explain why more women are killed by their domestic male partners than any death tolls in your realm's combined present-day wars. So if we can't see each other's partners as benevolent partners in life, there will always be anger, betrayal, and fear? I understand it's not so simple, and yet that seems to suggest a very simplistic solution to this ancient story. It's that ingrained in your stories, Jeff. And there's nothing simple about the stories you've created about men and women. The war against the feminine is escalating, especially with politicians who are champions of gender-biased stories. And when these stories can be made in law, well, <laughs> it creates dangerous times. Times when books like The Burning Times are written and read. I mean, even when women are speaking out about this war even with so many women speaking and writing their stories. The news and social media are just filled with stories of assault and abuse these days. I mean, how much of that calls out the goddess Kali and women wearing the heads of the enemy around their waists? Some of it does. Yeah, some of it does. While the men have had centuries to express their anger and betrayal, women had kept these emotions internalized. Today, more and more women and men are sick of this war. So, Keeper, the question remains, I mean, how do we heal this? As more and more of you awaken, the types of souls that incarnate will shift. Hmm. And that's because when our stories change, the list changes? Exactly. It's the principle of the first lens and the human-soul connection. All of this is taken into account as the list presents itself to me, and souls take on their purpose and journey to the human realm. Then the second lens takes over all of the variables that exist in a human life and in the environment. And that impacts evolution itself. The third lens, when humanity accepts that new stories are possible, there will be new stories written. This is sacred work. And how do those stories get written? Oh, in any number of ways. It's always interesting to see your evolution through art, Jeff. Artists, authors, filmmakers, they are your creative messengers. They always have been. And what if you're not an artist or author or filmmaker? How does the average person change the story? You change your story, Jeff. 
wherever it holds a sense of anger, betrayal, or fear. Got it. Keepers, there anything you want to add to the conversation before we close? There is something this voice wants to say. It feels very personal in some way. Okay. The world is sick of war, rape, physical and emotional abuse. It's sick of starving children and hoarding the earth's resources for profit. It's sick of white male privilege and slums, of street shootings and school shootings and profiling black men and Muslims. It's sick of what you humans call honor killing because a woman wants the right to read or paint or questions male authority. It's sick of broken families and the incarceration of an entire generation and race of men, women, and children. It's sick of men suggesting that sterilizing women should be a condition for receiving assistance with food. It's sick of a broken world that seems to think it can right things by continuing to do more of what it's always done, and that's subjugate the qualities of the goddess, the teachings of love and compassion. Women are tired of imploring men to fix these things, Jeff. These things that are mostly perpetrated by men, mostly, I said, and not all men. It's fair to say women are sick of it and the world is sick because of it. I don't know how to respond, Keeper. I mean, that, that feels like a very personal voice, more personal than I've ever heard you speak. I wonder, and this has been troubling me, is it even possible, given the first lens, the human-soul connection, you've told us that we all have some chief feature or obstacle to overcome, or at least our souls do. Without some chief feature or obstacle, what would life be like? What would humans hope for? How would young souls learn? I mean, what would really need to happen in order for things to change on Earth and change for the human race, uh, for all life, really? How does it feel to sit in those questions about life and relationship? It feels huge. Frankly, impossible. Well, and hopeful. All at once. Yeah. And we could all use a great storm coming down from the sky to make everything right, right about now. And it feels like we've got a great storm happening right here, right now, with all the women speaking up and echoing what you've said. That they're sick of a broken world. But I mean, what happens next? As more and more men are named as predators of sexual assault, what happens then? It's a powerful time to be human, Jeff. And maybe, maybe it's too soon to talk about forgiveness. You don't know the extent of the damage yet. I want to say more about the third lens, about evolution. These old stories of men and sexual assault aren't about sex. They're about power, and they require a cheering section. I think that's what you humans call it, a cheering section. They require complicity among other men. It's part of the human ritual, by the way. We didn't discuss rites of passage at all. Uh, and I can assure you that they are as rigorous and barbaric for young women as they are men. 
but the audience always needs to be there to validate or keep the power going, approving and welcoming the new member into the tribe. As the audience for these old behaviors disappears, the need to belong will require new behaviors. How though? Yet to be written, Jeff. Eventually, the old stories will face extinction. Realize that eventually is a long time away. You are all evolutionary at this point in time and <laughs> in for one hell of a ride, that's for sure. <laughs> Sounds like it. And Keeper, I don't know whether to be grateful or terrified. Maybe a bit of both. And with that, let me thank the listeners for supporting Voice of Evolution Radio and In the Soul's Waiting Room. Please like us on Facebook at Voice of Evolution Radio and follow us on Twitter at Voice of Ev Radio. Will you be back next time? I mean this voice, a feminine perspective. Let's say that anything is possible, Jeff, and leave it at that, shall we? Until next time, go out and create conversations that awaken, inspire, and activate. <laughs>